Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. We love movies with Gordon Hayden. This film blew me away. So that's against the rules, and you can't sit with us. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Hasta la vista, baby. And the winner is... We Love Movies with Gordon Hayden. Spin. Hello, and you are very welcome along to this week's We Love Movies. Good to have your company. This week, it's all about Scream. The fifth installment is finally here, and I know some feel like January why wasn't it released back in October for Halloween but January has become uh, quite a good month for horror movies to be released and some have done huge business and already stateside has screamed the fifth installment is tracking to do big business in fact it may be the best entry in terms of an opening weekend um, at the box office but there seems to be an awful lot of anticipation for this new Scream movie we'll be asking why a little later on so if you're a Scream fan don't go anywhere very shortly we we will be reviewing Scream, a.k.a. Scream 5. We love movies with Gordon Hayden on Spin. Hello? What's your favourite scary movie? Yes, you are listening to We Love Movies. I'm Gordon Hayden. Joining me is Andy McCarroll, Chris Wasser and Olivia Fahey to review Scream. Well, I now... Uh, we should be hands up here. Myself and Andy haven't seen the fifth installment. Chris and Olivia have. So me and Andy are like giddy fans here. Can't wait to see it. And uh, before we get into the plot, Andy, I just want to come to you first, because when the fourth screen movie came out, it was meant to usher in this whole new trilogy of films from Kevin Williamson, the original writer and Wes Craven. And the fourth film just came out and it just really seemed to come and go. And I was sort of taken aback as to why there didn't seem to be the big appetite for the fourth screen movie, because it was a far better offering than the third film, which became a bit of a parody of itself. But it wasn't the worst film. But then again, it wasn't the most memorable screen movie. And unfortunately, all those plans for a new trilogy seem to go by the wayside. But in advance of this fifth entry, there seems to be this huge expectation and anticipation for it, which hasn't been there before. So I'm curious as to know, why do you think that is? I think the good thing you can say about Scream 4 is the fact it made such a little impression that nobody going to see Scream 5 is thinking of Scream 4. I think we have such nostalgia for that first film, which is an absolute classic. And I think that is, and especially you see with the likes of like Spider-Man now or pretty much every film that's being released, nostalgia sells in a big way. And I think from a horror standpoint, it's a great whodunit. Like this isn't something like Halloween or Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street, where you know going in who the killer is going to be. There's an awful lot to be said for a good whodunit and something that original Scream film done. And to be fair, the second one as well, really got that sense of, oh, it's him or towards. And I, I think that sense of mystery is something audiences really enjoy. And I think as well, it doesn't have that, you know, some people would be torn off. I'm not going to see, you know, a monster horror film. I don't want to see, you know, an unstoppable guy with a machete and a hockey mask. I think the fact that it is semi-realistic is a, a good appeal to people. I think it's someone who might necessarily be horror fans or might necessarily be, you know, fans of the genre will like a screen film. And for me, it's just the mask. The mask just has that iconic look to it. And it's always something that no matter what it is, you know, screen five, six, seven, eight, I'm still going to go and see it. I'm just going to be disappointed each and every time. 
but they're still going to get my money next time around. Oh, yeah, that first film, when it came in, 1996 is when the, the first film came out. And, and it managed to usher in a whole new slew of slasher movies, in particular, the real teen style ones. We're going to talk about that in greater detail um, a little later on. But let's get into the plot now for the fifth installment. Olivia, um, I'll let you take away here because um, the trailer kind of gives us a feel that we're very much going back to the feel and essence of the first film. And we are getting some returning characters such as Nev Campbell, David Arquette and Courtney Cox's uh, Gail Weathers, the, uh, the the roving reporter. So tell us uh, about plot wise what's happened this time in Woodsboro. OK, I'm going to take a deep breath and just say that the plot there's it's very there's very little you can say about it without sort of spoiling a few things but thanks to the trailers having released a few little tidbits all i can really say is that you know ghostface he's back in woodsboro he is terrifying the the neighbors and this time the connection between everybody is that they're all related to the first film in some way so in that sense you know that they are as you were saying bringing it back to the original and without it being like a direct sort of copy and paste, which we've seen from a lot of films. And even though I really enjoy The Force Awakens, let's face it, that was just essentially a direct copy and paste of the of episode four. But in this sense, there's enough that's different about it that actually makes you kind of sit up and pay attention. And yes, that is essentially all I can really say about that. And uh, I will say like the new cast members, they've done an absolutely brilliant job of casting it, I think, because yes, there's some big names in there, like Jack Quaid and Melissa uh, Barrera. Uh, she was recently in uh, In the Heights, which was great. Um, so like they'd be some of the bigger names um, along with Dylan Minnette, who was in 13 Reasons Why. Mm. They're, they're definitely the more big names but the rest of the cast as well they really and truly balance everything out and everyone I think was actually cast brilliantly so you do spend a lot more time focusing on the the new cast members than you do the old cast members but it's not just a case of that the our, our good old reliables <laughs> our good old survivors you know it's not like they're just in for a blink and you'll miss it kind of cameo like they do actually they are involved throughout the plot so I think that's pretty much all I can say without ruining everything fair play to you Olivia we're going to get Chris's thoughts very shortly but first here is just a little bit from Scream aka Scream 5 hello it's happening three attacks so far do you have a gun I'm Sydney Prescott of course I have a gun something about this one just feels different Samantha I'm, I know who you are. I've been through this a lot. This is your life now, which means that whoever this is is going to keep coming for you. You ready for this? Never. So there's a little bit from the new Scream. Do you know one of the things that really frustrates me, Chris, is that when you get these new sequels, but instead of just going, it's Scream 5, and they just call it like Scream. As if, as it, I, I don't know if the intention from the film production company or the marketers is, well, if you call it Scream 5, it might put people off because then they feel like, oh, do we have to go off and watch the other film? So yeah, it's better to just call it by its original name because then if anyone has no clue about the previous films, they might be interested in going to see it. What, what's just your take just on that as a matter of interest? My 
take on that is that it makes no sense whatsoever. Um, and I really thought, I, if you recall about Scream 4, didn't they replace the A in the Scream with the 4? Mm-hmm. So I'm not really sure why they didn't go down the 5 cream route, uh, which when you say it out loud, it kind of sounds weird. Um, but, you know, and, and I'm thinking, like, did they think that was going to be too silly? Because the, the series itself is just, you know, it embraces its silliness um whatever about it whatever about that they decided to go with scream it doesn't make any sense it's the same with halloween and rambo oh let's drop the number system entirely maybe it has something to do with the filmmakers at the studio saying look audiences might say oh we don't as you said there you know we don't want to watch a fifth one but there's there's too much catching up to do in order you know to actually just like sit down and watch this one maybe it has something to do with the studio kind of going look if we call it by the original name if we name it after the original film then we're saying here's another classic it might have something to do with that, but it doesn't really make any sense. Um, and that's and that's actually a, a major problem with this actual with this new installment. I didn't enjoy it at all. Um, and I think the big and I think the big issue is that once again we have this subversive horror that, that you know embraces its meta premise and you know it's constantly you know breaking that fourth wall and reminding you know audiences that you know the characters are very much aware that they're in this horror setup and that you know they have to follow a, 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 a pattern of rules in order to survive but that over explaining itself whatever but in the first film it was skillfully done and it was new and it was fresh and it was so it, it was just a, it, it it was it was a bonker setup but it worked if you mm. repeat that four times it no longer works um and in this one i think it over explains itself a bit too much i have never experienced a horror movie that ta- it just talks itself to death there is so much chatting you just are you know you're you're almost like shouting at the screen and saying ghostface just come in just get rid of them. Really? Like they're, they're they're talking far too much and 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 the plot as well it's so funny before the screening you had the ghost face character. And I don't know if this is going to be, this is before the press screening. I don't know if it's going to be before everyone, but you know, you were told no spoilers. It's a very difficult film to spoil, to be honest. It's just, there's a copycat ghost face killer. People are, have connections to the first film and it's more of the usual slashing and stabbing. And that's it. I mean, mm. you know, yes, some things do happen, you know, uh, uh, you know, in the middle and at the end, but it's just another kind of derivative you know, slasher film. And it's quite clumsily directed too. I mean, oh, I don't know recall... because, because sorry to cut across Chris, because that's one of the things that um, in advance of this film, because obviously Chris, uh, sorry, Wes yeah. Craven um, is no longer with us. He sadly passed away. So you don't have obviously him directing. So that you're, you're kind of looking for the next hot director. And yeah. instead you've, they've got two, they've got the directing duo behind ready or not. And for a lot of horror fans, they've kind of went, oh, they would be the perfect uh, combo for a new screen movie because of the success and the way in which they uh, helmed uh, Ready or Not. So you would have thought it was going to be in reasonable say I'll bring, bring Olivia now in shortly. But why do you think they did such a, a, a horrendous job? I'm not sure. I think they, the, the I think that both of these directors, they're, they're maybe trying to, they blend, they combine horror and comedy so well in Ready or Not, but they also provided sufficient scares and you know it's not a whole old you know horror thing where if you show the villain too much they're no longer scary and Ghostface is on screen far too much he is running he's crawling he's bouncing off walls he's walking slowly after people talking to them to death he's just it's it's too much and there's no suspense and the film also, you know, it points out everything before it happens. And it also pokes holes in its premise so that, you know, we can't sit there and give out about it because it's almost as though the characters are saying, well, we, we know how cliched this whole thing is, but because we're 
we're saying it's cliched. You can't give out about it being cliched. That just doesn't that just doesn't work for me at all. So mm-hmm. when you have characters opening and closing fridge doors and opening and closing mirrors, and then the car- and then the, the big bad jumps out. That's not good enough. After 25 years and after five films, you need something fresh. And I thought these two directors would bring something fresh into it, but they haven't. And I just thought the whole thing, you know, there are some neat ideas in there, but Mm. the whole thing is so obsessed with itself and so up its own backside, you know, in terms of the meta premise, in terms of, you know, it's just so coded in irony that it just becomes incredibly annoying. Oh, right. Let's bring Olivia in here. So Olivia... Chris had no time for this whatsoever. It seems like it's incredibly derivative, lacking ideas, and uh, there's no decent setup because a lot of it is so signposted. Are you in the same ballpark as Chris or do you have a different take? I have just given myself a headache eye-rolling so much at everything that Chris just said because I disagree <laughs> entirely. It, I enjoyed it. It is, it, it, like, it's, it's a screen movie. It does exactly what it says on the tin. Like, it is always going to be that kind of I don't want to say slapstick horror, but it's like, it is supposed to be like sort of taking the mickey out of itself. You know, it's it's never going to be that serious, like ultimate scary jump out of your seat horror film. So like what the guys have done is that they've essentially sort of taken what made the first Scream great and they've given it a few little twists, but also they're kind of like, with the bits that seem like they are a bit too similar, they're like, oh, oh, are we going to do it? Are we going to do it? No, we're not going to do it. Or yes, we are going to do it. Like, there's there's definitely a big there is still like differences between it and it's that kind of like tongue in cheek that they had in Ready or Not that they have in this as well so I actually think they did a very good job I think that the like when Chris was saying that there was no suspense I like now I'm not big into scary movies myself but I've always liked the Scream ones and like there is still suspense there it's like there you're not really sure at times where it's actually going and that's a good thing because you mm-hmm. do want to be able to like piece it together. At the end of the day, it's a murder mystery thing. And everybody loves murder mystery shows. Like all of the Netflix series have been like going gangbusters over the last couple of years. And this definitely falls into that category of a whodunit. You're trying to figure it out as you go along. It's like the whole who shot Phil Mitchell from EastEnders like way back in the day. You just want to try and look for all of the clues to try and figure out who it is. I had a hunch going into it. I was sort of right. And even like halfway through the film, I was still doubting myself whether or not I had actually predicted it correctly. And it's those little twists and turns that you really want from something like this, because you don't want to sit down and being like, I I already know who it is. You want to be surprised. And at the end of the day, I was still surprised. Yeah, I I love that about the original one where you were constantly flip flopping between. Oh, it's the principal. It's the fans. He's definitely the killer. Oh, no, he's not. And that was great. It's that kind of almost teen Agatha Christie, that sort of vibe. Yeah. It's like if R.L. Stein ran a road at, at Agatha Christie to a degree. Andy, you're hearing all of this from Chris and Olivia, both uh, a complete polar opposites here. Um, we're going to get into the uh, the old cast in just a second, uh, but the very polarizing uh, opinions here. Um, are you have you any trepidation? Do you kind of go into this fifth screen movie? I know you said, look, you're happy to, for them to take your money, but. At the same time, are you worried that they're now really flogging a dead horse? Absolutely not. If anything, I am more excited now. I had one thing coming into the show today. I was like, one, I really want Olivia to like it. And two, I really want Chris to not like it because that way I know it's good then. 
<laughs> no, Chris, I'll let you respond to that. How, how, how do you feel about that? I, I, I knew this response was coming. The whole time I was talking there, I was thinking, yeah, he's going to come back and hit me here. Um, Andy, I really wanted to like it. I really wanted to like it. And you know what? One of the... It, it is quite nice seeing the older characters return, but it kind of treats them with... Yeah, I don't want to annoy you, Andy, but there's something about the way this franchise treats the characters that I don't think they deserve... In, in, a, in a sense. I mean, it's trying to do the Jamie Lee Curtis thing that the Halloween films did and say, yes, we're bringing back the hero. But Jamie Lee Curtis is, yeah, it, there's Jamie Lee Curtis and then there's David Bleeding Arquette. Like, you know, it's, it's not the same thing. And also the way it handles the older characters, I mean, it doesn't, they're glorified cameos in a way. Uh, not everyone, not the, you know, the, the, the original screamers here, sorry to call them the original mm-hmm. screamers, but they, they only have a few minutes of screen time. They're not really given that much to do. And I think it would have been better to, yes, it's nice to introduce new characters to fold, especially if you're going to make new films. Yeah. Bring some fresh blood into it, but give the older guys something, something decent to do. Well, let me bring Olivia in here. So Olivia, do you feel that they lacked screen time? The likes of Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox and David Arquette, because from uh, the offset, David Arquette is meant to have the most screen time here, as opposed to Nev Campbell, who has just been, who's been really the, um, the the pillar of this particular series. So some may feel like, oh, why haven't we seen more of her? I would have said that actually, um, Gail Weathers was probably more of the, the token cameo sort of style, as opposed to uh, Nev and David, because. Oh, what I can't really say, but <laughs> for reasons, shall we just say, there's they've used them in a way, maybe not to the same extent that uh, Spider-Man No Way Home has done with some of its returning characters, but it, they are still kind of integral in certain ways. And I think that the way that they've used them was maybe not as good, but was still clever. Like they, mm. they did better than just having them be like, oh yes, hello, I'm here. Oh no, I'm gone and bye-bye. Like it, it was, I would have preferred the way that they've done it now to to just be like a flash in the pan. And like one thing that they even say in, in the film is that they're calling it a requel, which yes, that name is terrible, but it kind of fits with what they're doing. They're kind of taking inspiration from the first one. So it is somewhat of a sequel and a reboot. So they're kind of like mushing the two together for a requel and tying in these former characters is important to that. And they've done that in a way that I think fans will be happy with. I like what you're saying there because to me, they're not iconic characters in the same way Laurie Strode is or, you know, Ripley from Aliens is. Like you don't go in and go, oh my God, Sidney Prescott is this, you know, incredible performance by, you know, Mm -hmm. Wonderstar Nev Campbell. They just happen to be there. Like the appeal of these films is the who done it. It is the ghost face. It is the kill. So I, I kind of like hearing what you're saying there that they haven't got this, you know, revenance for these people. That to be honest, they haven't particularly earned. Mm-hmm. Uh, Olivia, just to come back to you because I know Chris, you've been a bit down it. So just uh, curious to start with Olivia in terms of <laughs> the, the last, though, the last, because there were moments in that uh, original Scream film, especially from Dewey, played by David Arquette, because he was a little bit of the doofus in it. But it was some really funny moments again with Jamie Kennedy and uh, and Matthew Lillard there too. They brought a lot of that funniness. Is the comedy fresh here, or is it, does it feel a bit forced? Um, I did certainly laugh, but off the top of my head, I couldn't actually tell you any of the funny moments from it because as much as there are still jokes in there, the focus is definitely on the kills. Like this has taken it up a notch. Now, it's not necessarily like hostile style um, 
gore fest but they've definitely taken it a step above just the regular screen slashings to there's a bit more detail involved and there's one kill in particular that had me squirming in my seat but it is in no way shape or form like gruesome it's just when you realize what's happening you kind of just go oh that's yikes um so for my so for the real standout for me was actually the kills themselves as opposed to the humor but the humor is still there and you will chuckle throughout it's just not as memorable as the holy crap like <laughs> i can't believe that just happened i think with the scream it, it is pure popcorn horror that's what mm-hmm. always works it's, it's that real entertainment style horror like the recent halloween movie was was t- was was terrible. Like it was horrendous. But yeah. there, there was one particular sadistic kill in it involving an elderly couple. I I don't do the kills. Chris ever get not to say that level of sadism, but are there? Do you think there's some of them are there for nasty for nasty sake? Yeah, I do actually. Yeah, and do you know what, Gordon? I was thinking of that scene yesterday when I was watching it. Uh, the uh, the scene in the kitchen where Michael Myers uh, murders the elderly couple. While I was watching that, I thought there's actually you've. You've done what you were supposed to do in this scene. Why are we still watching it? There's a little bit of that in this latest scream. And it's and it's such a shame because you can have imaginative scares and kills on screen. And 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 you know, you can you can put some effort into making a slasher film original. It is possible, I think, to make an original slasher film. What doesn't make an original slasher film is showing more of the slashing. That's that that doesn't have the same effect. And there are times here where Ghostface was doing things with knives, and I was thinking, I don't want to watch this. That's mm-hmm. you, you've, you've gone a bit you've you have gone a bit nasty for nasty sake here and there are yeah I, I, I was the same as Olivia there are probably two kills in this film where I thought oh, I, I don't like that that this is actually just you know it's way too grisly and it's not even keeping in line yes you know the original sc- uh, scream it was scary but it's not even keeping in line with that it's just like oh how can we upset the audience here and in terms of the humor I don't think the humor really works all that well there is one great joke in this film where Dewey is referred to as a poor man Sam Elliott and I thought yes. Actually, yeah, he, he, he is a little bit in this film and that made me laugh. But everything else is it's, it's that kind of thing where the characters, especially the teenagers, they're all quite obnoxious Gen Zers. They're all quite, you know, irony obsessed. They all kind of speak in monologues. That's not funny. You know, they're all kind of saying things at one another, but they're not saying things to one another. And I think a big problem with that is the screenplay, because people are saying things. Scream has always been a little bit clunky and it's always been very self-aware and all the rest of it. But the characters in this film say things that no human would ever, ever say. And sometimes the actors are tripping over the lines. So they're not, you know, so the dialogue in the film, it's not even, you know, it's not it's it, it's it's not effective enough to be funny. There's no great one-liners in here, unfortunately. Just finally, finally, before we get scores, Olivia, I mentioned um, earlier on that Scream Four was hopefully going to pave the way for a whole new trilogy, and that didn't happen. Um, well, now you could look at this new film and think maybe are they going to try and get the get the machine back up and running again and hopefully this will be the springboard for another two films because you just look at what Jason Blum has done with Halloween and they very much said it from the get-go that they were going to make a trilogy and they even name-checked the two sequels in advance so that the third film was called Halloween Ends so people knew that okay this is going to have an arc and with this uh, latest installment is it very does it do you think it leaves it open for more or is it very much no you know what this looks like this is the the curtain is finally coming down on this series oh yeah this is five and done and now with it being well i'm going to predict now that it's going to be a highly highly successful uh, installment for the franchise 
But I even think in spite of that, I don't think that they can really come back from this in a way that throughout the entire film, every time they were talking about the Stab films, because of course, Stab is the film within a film. Mm. And (laughs) they like wholeheartedly, thoroughly were just like, this is the end. There are no more Stab films. There are going to be no more of this, no more of that. We're like, it is done. And the fact that they just kept really like hammering that home I'd be like very surprised and slightly upset if they did come back with another one so personally I think that if this is the high that they're going to end it on then they're ending it on a high and I don't care what Chris says oh Chris oh, listen I, I I let's get your final thoughts a uh, scream six yeah it'll happen um and you know what let's come back to this in about two or three weeks when everyone has seen it and I will tell you why I think it's going to happen because there is something in there that I thought that's where you're going to go next. And also, there is a bit of buzz around this film. Um, I might be in the minority here. It is picking up some decent reviews across the board. So maybe if there's a good enough critical and commercial response to the film, there will be a sixth one. But I think there's something in there in the last 10 minutes that tells you this is the direction we could go down. Unfortunately, I just wasn't keen on it at all. Oh, listen, you know what? But, um, I just think it does push the medicine points. Um, I think it's quite tiresome, worrisome. And yeah, sorry. <laughs> Listen, we'll get scores out of 10. Olivia, obviously, you're going to be a lot higher in your out of, uh, score out of 10. What are we giving uh, Scream? I am going to give it four, or sorry, four out of five, uh, which would be an eight out of 10. There we go. Oh, eight out of 10. Right, Chris. Go on. L- yeah. Bear your score. Yeah, we'll split that. I'm going to go with four out of 10. Sorry, Andy. Four out of 10. So Andy's review will be coming to us next week, Andy. I'm very happy about that. I just, just once Chris <laughs> doesn't like it, I know it's going to be good. If, he had, if it had been called Less Scream or something, he probably would have liked it more. <laughs> oh, I'd love it. Guys, thank you so much. That is end of part one of We Love Movies. Uh, but still to come, we're going. there are other films out this week, uh, believe it or not, outside of Scream. And uh, we are going to uh, rewind the clock back to 1996 when the first Scream movie came out and how it really paved the way for a whole new slew of slasher movies. That's all to come very shortly on We Love Movies. We Love Movies with Gordon Hayden on Spin. And you are very welcome back to We Love Movies here on Spin. My name is Gordon Hayden. Joined as always by Olivia Fahey, Chris Wasser and Andy McCarroll. Uh, Chris, we're just going to have a quick look around now at some of the other films which are playing in cinemas this weekend. Well, not even, but even streaming services. Um, but uh, because Scream is just dominating the multiplexes. But we're going to kick off with The Humans, starring Amy Schumer, who has sort of been off the radar for a bit. Now, granted, um, she's recently become a mum, so uh, she's really starting to get back now into getting projects off the ground again. She's going to be in uh, Steve Martin's uh, show, Murders in the Building, this new season of that. And she's got this new film out called The Humans. Yes, and she's very much in supporting player mode in this, but it's probably uh, the best Amy Schumer performance I've seen in a long time because we don't usually associate her with drama. Uh, but this is, it, it's quite an unusual drama. It all centers on a chaotic family dinner in thanks, and at Thanksgiving in New York. And we are with the Blake family who have convened at the daughter Bridget, uh, played by Beanie Feldstein, her new apartment, which she shares in Chinatown with her boyfriend, Richard Stephen Young, who was nominated for an Oscar last year for Minari. And their apartment building is in an awful state. I mean, there's mold on the walls. The neighbors are so noisy. They're just a pain. And, and the puzzling layout of the building and the apartments, which kind of goes up a couple of floors at windy staircases and thin corridors, it would just, it would give you nightmares. Um, and the da- 
dad, played by Richard uh, Jenkins, his name is Eric, and the mom, Deirdre, played by Jane uh, Hoodyshell, they're not impressed with the way their daughter is living. And they're all harboring kind of secrets. They all have kind of things that they want to talk to each other about. The sister, uh, Amy, played by Amy Schumer, she, you know, is going through a breakup, a job loss, a, a medical diagnosis, which she's going to share with everyone. Over two hours and over, you know, beer and wine and food, they'll all kind of, you know, let each other in on what's going on in their lives. And all the while, there's all these creaky noises happening. It almost plays out like a horror film. So it sounds like it's just about a family dinner, but there's something else at play here. So it's quite it's quite scary at times. Um, it's, it's quite, you know, it's darkly funny. It's actually based on a play, uh, a Tony award-winning play by a guy named Stephen Graham, who's actually adapted his own play here. And usually when we think of films based on plays, we think of, you know, films that are just in one setting and quite stilted and stick, you know, too rigidly to, you know, the theatrical blueprint. But with this, Karam has actually pushed, you know, uh, a, a lot harder than you would expect from, you know, uh, a directorial debut. He's mm. pushed to make his film visually outstanding. I mean, it is so impressive to look at. So it's quite a tense, claustrophobic film, but a funny one too. Very well performed. Definitely an ensemble piece worth seeking out. That's called The Humans. Out of 10, Chris, what would you give it? I'd go for the full 10. It is the Ooh. first perfect film of the year, I think. There we go. That is The Humans, um, which is... Where can you see that as a matter of interest, Chris? Uh, you can see it in the Lighthouse Cinema. You can see it in IFI Palace and in uh, 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 some um, AMC cinemas uh, throughout the country. Okay, great stuff. Now, uh, to look at some of uh, some streaming releases, uh, one of which is for the kids is Hotel Transylvania 4. This is uh, bypassing cinemas. I, I don't know, Chris, the reason for this, um, not going to cinemas, I don't know if it's got, uh, at a time a deal was done, maybe during the, the pandemic, and that's why it's gone to Amazon. But um, I would have thought that this would, would have hit the cinemas. Obviously yeah. not. Um, any reason as to why that is? I don't know, but maybe it ha- maybe it has something to do with uh, with the franchise losing Adam Sandler uh, for reasons which we don't oh. quite know. Adam Sandler um, decided to part ways with the Hotel Transylvania people, which is weird because I mean he was so involved in this thing that he was providing you know he was make he he was also part of you know the the the, the screenwriting process with one or two of the sequels and the story process. Uh, but no, they parted ways, and Amazon did a deal with Sony, I think, somewhere in the region of you know 100 million dollars. And this final installment, because it very much is a final installment, has gone to Amazon. And the guy who gets the voice track now, Count Dracula, in this in this series, is Brian Hull, who's actually a voice actor and an impersonator, and he did actually voice the character of Drac in the streaming series. So it's kind of like, if we can't get Adam Sandler, we'll get the guy who used to take off Adam Sandler. Um, and you know what? It's it's probably a good thing that it's not going to cinemas, and it's probably a very good thing that it's, you know, it's coming to an end, because this it's kind of it's like a really half-assed lazy saturday morning cartoon it's all about drac retiring handing over the hotel to his daughter mavis voiced by selena gomez but you know he doesn't want to give it over because he hates his son-in-law voiced by andy sandberg and when the son-in-law decides that you know if he was a monster you know drac might give him the hotel when he decides to go to van helsing to turn him into a monster things go sideways and all the monsters end up getting turned into humans you could do something really clever and funny for both adults and kids with that plus but unfortunately no effort has gone into the joke so it's quite broad it's quite noisy it's just ridiculous slapstick that i don't even think will appeal to even the youngest of viewers Oh, I think it was even struggled to get back the director as well, because I think he had other uh, projects in mind. And so they must have just waved a big yeah. check in front of his nose. Eight of 10 for Hotel Transylvania 4, Chris. Yeah, I hate to be down on another one this week, but it is extraordinarily poor. We're going to have to go with two out of 10. Oh, dear God. And Chris, very, very quickly, uh, Save the Cinema. It's on uh, Sky Cinema at the moment. Uh, you can check it out. Uh, Jonathan Price is one of the, the leads in this. What's going on? 
it's based on a true story about uh, the residents, particularly uh, a local hairdresser by the name of Liz Evans, played here by Samantha Morton, who kickstarted a campaign in 1993 in the sleepy town of Camarden, Wales, to save the Lyric Theatre, the Lyric Cinema in their town, which was going to be demolished and to make room for a shopping centre. And in order to save the cinema, they started uh, showing uh, films there. Liz Evans sought help from her old uh, theatre teacher, Mr. Morgan, played by Jonathan Price. And it's all about the campaign. I won't say what happens. The trailer kind of gives away a bit too much, and it is a true story but something happens where the hairdresser kind of brings her campaign all the way to hollywood and all the way to a certain mr steven spielberg think about the year think about the director you might see what's going to happen there um it is it, it does arm itself with all the goodwill and charm in the world you do have some good actors in there you've got a deal actor you've got tom felton from the harry potter franchise you've got colin meany unfortunately it's very stagey it's very ordinary and i think it's a decent story that probably deserved a better film okay out of 10 chris for save the cinema I will say, keep it maybe for a wet Sunday afternoon, but it is a five out of ten sort of film. Okay, and that is currently playing on Sky Cinema at the moment. Well, now the big film in cinemas this weekend is the fifth installment in the Scream franchise. And uh, before we talk about the success and how much of a game changer uh, the original film was, just uh, let's just take a clip from Wes Craven's 1996 classic. Why would he want to kill his own girlfriend? There's always some stupid b- reason to kill your girlfriend. That's the beauty of it all. Simplicity. Besides, if it gets too complicated, you lose your target audience. Well, what's his reason? Maybe Sydney wouldn't have sex with him. <laughs> what, is she saving herself for you? Maybe. Now that Billy tried to mutilate her, do you think Sid would go out with me? <laughs> no, I don't at all. No. You know what I think it is? You know, I think it's her father. <laughs> Why can't they find her pops, man? Because he's probably dead. His body will come popping up in the last reel somewhere. Eyes gouged out, fingers cut off, teeth knocked out. See, the police are always off track with this shit. If they'd watch prom night, they'd save time. There's a formula to it. A very simple formula. Everybody's a suspect. So there is a little bit from Scream, directed by Wes Craven, written by Kevin Williamson. And that first film now has become an absolute horror classic and has paved the way now for five films in this series. But we want to talk about the impact that first film had, because, Andy, back in the 90s, horror, it was it was in a bit of a transitional period it still wasn't making the huge money that it now it now does because the, the 80s was all about the slashers. The 70s, again, was a hugely successful uh, time for horror. But it seemed like the late 80s, early 90s horror, it, it, it kind of lost its identity. And it seemed like studios had lost faith in it. But then come around the mid 90s, the likes of Scream was a massive shot in the arm for the genre. And then all these teen slashers uh, appeared in the wake of Scream, hoping to ride on its coattails. Um, for you, like looking back at that particular time, were, like, was Scream fundamental in the rebirth of horror? Yeah, it absolutely was. Horror was, like you said, was in such a massive downturn that to get a horror film it was, you know, had to, basically pretend to be a thriller you things like silence of the lambs were considered you know, the horrors of the time you didn't have something like you know like a, a halloween series or a friday the 13th series and i think the fact that it was wes craven essentially making fun of the genre he helped create while still making a scary movie 
helped to kick off. And again, like most things Hollywood does, we're going to see it with Spider-Man. They're going to learn all the wrong lessons. They just stripped the irony out completely and just made these very generic. But at the time, I was about 14, 15, when all these were coming out, I was eating them all up. You know, things like I know what you did last summer, the faculty, even things like Urban Legend. You just kept going back because you had that roller coaster fun house ride thing that they'd done really well up until a point and then they would just be you know completely unmemorable with the exception of scream which happened to stand the test of time because it had such pedigree behind it that you know a lot of the other films didn't have like um a lot of things you know horror is very cyclical and it goes through these different phases and like the slashers in the 80s when the likes of uh friday the 13th um, really took things off after uh, the likes of Halloween. There were so many imitators that came in its wake. Livy, you're not a massive horror fan. You were saying that earlier on. But um, when it came to uh, the 90s, did any of those particular slashers films outside of Scream uh, resonate with you? No, and actually one of the only films that um, Andy mentioned that I have actually seen and enjoyed was um, The Faculty which I know wasn't necessarily a slasher film, but it was still kind of within that genre of the teenagers all sort of stuck together and getting pick, picked off one by one. And like a lot of the, the cast from that film went on to megastardom. Like it has Elijah Wood and it has Josh Hartnett. Similarly with I Know What You Did Last Summer had um, Michelle, Sarah Michelle Gellar, uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt, and a few other big names in there as well of the time. Now, they may not have gone on to the same mega stardom as the likes of Hartnett and Elijah Wood, but at the same time, it's like they were still pretty big names. And then in comparison with Scream, it's like as much as Courtney Cox had friends, there's really nothing else that Neve Campbell and uh, David Arquette really went on to do afterwards that sort of gave them enough of a name that they could say, I was like, oh, yes, we know this person from this, this and this. It's like, oh, yes, this is this person from Scream. Mm. So in that sense, it's it's definitely an interesting way to when you're looking back on all of these films it's like yes some of them really and truly set off people on this like absolutely massive career but then on the other hand sometimes it didn't and scream is definitely one of those films it seemed like chris when uh, the the teen horrors of the 90s were starting to wind down and like that they just started all becoming pale imitations of each other then the j horror started taking off and then we had the the uh, slew of hollywood remakes and then as that started to wind down we then started getting into a lot of the torture porn and then it kind of moves into the the sort of supernatural that we saw with the likes of um movies like the conjuring and how that created its own universe so where do you think we are at the moment Chris, are we are we in a kind of a bit of a vacuum? Because we were talking earlier on about how nostalgia has played a huge part and we're getting a, a new Texas Chainsaw Massacre film coming to Netflix, which is going to they're, they're saying like the recent David Gordon Green Halloween. This is the this is the sequel. And forget the the other films that, that came after uh, Toby Hooper's original. This is going to be now the number two. And um, where do you kind of see? I know we're kind of being very speculative here, but where do you see the genre going? Are we going to see more teen slasher films in the wake of this new screen movie or are we just going to get more films from the past looking to be remade again or or more films trying to be like the new sequel and, and, and whitewashing other entries oh we're going to see 
all of that, Gordon. I think actually, when you said there about you know, are we going to see kind of more reboots of uh, of uh, of 90s and 90s horror? One thing I kept thinking of there when the guys were talking was Final Destination. It is only a matter of time before there is another Final Final Destination film. It was actually um, confirmed today that John Watts. You are joking. <laughs> yes. are joking. Is it a made-for-TV movie or is it a series? I forget which. No, it's a movie. It's a movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's technically is the sixth one. I think. There you go. Uh, I mean, as usual, I've got my finger on the pulse. Um, yeah, I, I, I just, yeah, I, we will definitely see that. Where is horror at the moment? It's a bit all over the shop, but it is in rude health, I think. Uh, I mean, you do have, you know, there is an emphasis by major studios to bring back or to do a requel of, you know, uh, or a legacy sequel of these famous, everything from, you know, uh, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, which, you know, we're actually getting this year, Halloween, Scream Now, Final Destination, there you go. But there is also a push to make, you know, socially conscious or, you know, uh, as the Scream film actually uh, describes it, elevated horrors something along the lines of you know the Ari Aster or the Robert Eggers school which is you know who, the, who are the directors that gave us the lighthouse midsummer hereditary um uh you know we're going to see more films like maybe Saint Maud you know those kind of slow burning awful provocative and genuinely freaky horrors I think there's something for everyone at the minute um and also then you've got you know the Jordan Peele school of horror I mean he's he's got another film coming this summer uh with Daniel Kaluuya again and Stephen Young nobody really knows anything about it it's just called nope but we what we do know is that it will be you know another socially conscious horror somewhere along the lines of uh, uh, uh you know down the same lines as as, as as get out and us i think the genre it is a bit of a mess but like i said there is something for everyone and i don't know what the next movement is going to be but what i would like to see is more of and you know andy's going to give me a hard time for saying this more original stories you know or well, or yeah but well, not, not reboots well just on that though andy um it just seems like at the moment, it, it, it seems like it's very hard for a new slasher uh, character to come to the fore. Something in the vein of Ghostface or Freddy, Jason, uh, Leatherface, Michael Myers. They're the real kind of pillars of it. But um, even Pinhead from Hellraiser. Like, it seems like very hard. I don't know if anyone's really trying. And if they are, it, it's probably ending up on Shudder. But it doesn't seem like there's anything uh, a character-wise that has managed to grip audiences like some of these classic characters yeah and it sickens me to agree with chris i would like to see kind of more original horror because the ones and even those that have been successful you know the likes the conjuring or paranormal activity where you know although they they were very much you know the, the 70s haunted house shops were original films and with the exception of halloween none of the remakes have really broke out and even something like the evil dead remake which was very very good didn't get an audience and didn't have anyone particularly interested in it but to your point, it is a lot harder to do that because there isn't that word of mouth to build a character the way someone like, you know, Freddie or Michael Myers is. Because I don't think that particular type of character is scary nowadays. Whereas we've mm-hmm. gone back to kind of the old school things like, you know, Haunted House. And I think a kind of a more realistic, like you only have to, to turn on the news to see there's a million things you could tap into that I think Jordan Peele has been trying to do with his films, like don't think as successfully in things like Us, but with there certainly something like Get Out. Those are the type of horror films I think will resonate with audiences more because people are a lot more socially conscious. I know there's, the, you know, it, it, people roll their eyes and they hear the kind of the, the woke horror, but you, if you tap into something that people are genuinely afraid of, I think that will have a much more lasting effect than, you know, throwing on a, a goalkeeper mask onto somebody and then just giving them a knife and slashing through because that, doesn't scare people it's like when you see 
you know, like the, the torture porn is a hostel, people being disemboweled. You, it means absolutely nothing to you. But if you see somebody getting a paper cut on screen, you wince because you know what that feels like. And I think that's where horror needs to go to maintain this kind of elevated status it's, it's getting at the moment. Bring back a, a great sense of that realism. Well, guys, thank you so much. Time has caught up with us. Always a pleasure. Andy McCarroll, Chris Wasser, Olivia Fay. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, I think next week, Andy, when you've got a chance to see Scream, and hopefully I will too, we'll get a little bit more into a, maybe a bit of a spoiler discussion about where we think potentially a sixth film may go. But until then, guys, thank you so much for your time. And we'll do it again the next week right here on Spin.